You are listening to episode one of the Rocky Talkie podcast. I am your host, Rocky Riccatoni. So I'm, you know, I'm just going to go off script here. I'm just going to roll off the cuff. And uh, just as a precursor, I think in images, I think a lot in songs, I think a lot of scene, in scenes of movies. And uh, preparing for this interview, I couldn't help but stop thinking about one particular scene. 1939's The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we have Dorothy and Toto tumbling out of the sky from the black and white twister and land on another world. <laughs> and upon opening the door, they step out into a magnificent world of Technicolor. Why am I saying that? To be ultra poetic and corny. If you were around for 2009, living in Hamilton and onward, I'm going to say it was safe to assume that it was a little bit like that. I grew up in this city and I only had the stories about what it once was. And there were many relics and fossils of buildings and places that were kind of going through their death rattle. And I heard that they were once this and they were once that. And while living in Toronto, I um, kept hearing about rumblings going on in Hamilton. And every time I would come back home, something was different. And I swear every time the color notch kept going up a little higher. So around 2010, 2011, I remember being completely remarked by this mass migration starting to happen in our town. And I would say for the first time in about 40 years, there was a pioneering spirit of young people transplanting or homegrown, opening incredible operations from a yarn store a coffee shop, restaurant, whatever, things were happening. And for the first time while in Toronto, nobody in Toronto was making fun of Hamilton. Then I heard a rumor about a little restaurant that opened up in Corktown called Rapscallion. And people were remarked and were telling me about this place that had a really good wine program, an assertive but very relaxed New York-style idea of service, and a chef that was making really, really gutsy food and was doing the snout-to-tail approach many times when no one else had even really heard of it in this town. When I finally went there to eat, the rumors were true, and I had realized for sure that the paradigm had shifted. So tonight, I am honored to have two people who I call the dynamic duo. Um, chef Matthew Kershaw, and Aaron Dunham are behind, how would you, what's the official word? Other Bird? Yep. Other Bird Restaurant <laughs> Hospitality Group? Sure. You can literally call us whatever you want because yeah. we call ourselves almost nothing. So. Okay. so that is the appropriate setup for what I think uh, is very important for someone who watched Hamilton basically tumble into what it is kind of overnight. And you guys were one of the OG guys doing some pretty cool things. So I'm honored to have you on because I got to hear your story. I want to hear the genesis of how Rapscallion turned into multiple locations, or not, not multiple Rapscallions, but multiple projects in Ontario. Um, and I think even further than Ontario. My, my facts not, might not be right, but um, let's start there. Let's start how Rapscallion became an entity. I love this because... Matt and I are going to get in an argument That's immediately. 
<laughs> this is going to be interesting. Off, can I say that was the best intro ever? No, that was really good. Thank you. Your voice sexy as hell, though. Yeah. Is it working? Oh, yeah. shit, yeah. I'm thinking about switching. You nailed it. Sean, this is the mic yeah. from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the headphones or... Yeah, that's good. Um, so this is going to be different because I feel like Matt and I have different perspectives of how this happened. But maybe, maybe we'll align and it's going to be great and we're not going to fight. Well, there's two mics, so I want to hear both. <laughs> this is news to me, I thought. I was there for the opening, <laughs> but let's find out. Okay, you go. But, okay. Um, I wanted to open the Hamilton uh, for a long time. Yeah. I put or, uh, bids on buildings when they were comically cheap. Yes. Back now, comically cheap. I remember cheap. that. Not oh so long God. ago. And it didn't work out. It didn't work out. It didn't work out. And I was really trying. Uh, to do, open my own place. And then finally, on a whim, I looked at a place in Burlington. Mm -hmm. And so it turned out to be the right fit, and that's why I opened in Burlington first. I wanted to be Hamilton. And that's where I met Aaron. That's right. You were in Burlington first. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was not the goal, but that's what happened. And now, was that Rapscallion? That was the original Rapscallion? No, it was called no, no, the no. Alex. The, uh, that, of course it was. I remember yeah. that. Okay, yes. Yeah. And the Alex was kind of a precursor to Rapscallion. It was still a small plates place. Yep. The idea and the feel was the same. It was just less daring because people in Burlington yeah. are less daring, sure. let's be honest. Um, and then I met Erin there, and um, she was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was quick. It was like, it was like wow. She, like, I didn't have a, a manager there. There wasn't a single manager at this restaurant. I was like, it'll be fine. I'll, you know, whatever. <laughs> and for some reason, she decided that she was going to make sure, sure things went well there. Yep. And uh, things did go well there. And then one thing led to another, and we finally found a space in Hamilton. So far, so good? It's fine. <laughs> like, it's okay, I guess. From my perspective, you were, because we were talking about, like, opening another place, and I'm like, I'm born and raised a hammer person. And I was like, it should be Hamilton. We need this. This. You're a Hamilton kid? Yeah, born and raised. I didn't know that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. She seems rich, doesn't she? No, I... Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> Now that you say it a little bit, but I, I only I, rich in character. There's a lot of trans. There's a lot of transplants, but I'm losing track of who's. Yeah, okay. and it's fair. But Kershaw and like I guess you could say he was born in Hamilton only because we amalgamated a few years ago, like 15. But he's an Ancaster guy, which makes him a little bit of a snoot. <laughs> yeah, That's okay. true. And one of the reasons he was successful in Burlington is because before that he worked at the Hamilton Golf and Country Club, and he had all those people right. lived in Burlington. They like went to his places, and for me. I was like, I love Hamilton, more grit. Like, I'm super into that. And um, I didn't love my human interactions in Burlington that mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And I thought his style of food and what he was doing would be so great in Hamilton. So I was kind of pushing for that. And so when we were looking, I feel like that influenced it a bit. But yes. It, no, there was no doubt Hamilton was the, the goal for sure. Yeah. Was it, in, in all honesty, was there, were there times that you would have pulled the trigger if Hamilton was just a little bit more ripe at that time where there was there a time because it seemed as though there was a, there was a very short schism of not ready and holy crap hurry up or you're yeah, gonna miss it, it. right yeah. it totally yeah. went that way it was it was interesting for us because we're like we would travel and go to places and we're like god it would be so great to have places like this and we found when we on our weekends off or like we i say weekends off mo mondays off, mondays off yeah. we yeah. would drive to toronto or go to montreal and that's where we'd want to eat and we're like how is this possible that nothing like this exists around hamilton yeah. and so that's why we did rap because it was more that like we want a place we can go to mm -hmm. in the city, which is actually why we opened quite a few of the first places we opened, Two Black Sheep, The Mule, because it didn't exist here. Mm -hmm. We wanted a place to eat 
And I know that's not a great business model, but it worked for us. No, but it is, though. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's the old adage of see a need, fill a need. And it's so rare that a metropolis has that available to entrepreneurs. It's like, it, that's kind of unheard of. Mm. It's like, oh, they don't have this, they don't have that. Okay, well, let's do it. That's, that's fascinating. So you guys had a chemistry and a rhythm that just caught on. And now, yep. were you working through school? Were you just, just, was it just a job that turned into? No, so you know those fate moments? Yeah. So this is one of those moments. So I was doing my MBA at McMaster. And uh, I was halfway through full-time. In what, by the way? MBA, my master's in business. Okay. Um, so I was like, uh, I'm, I've run out of money. I need a job. And I was hoping to get through it, but I couldn't. And so I, my friend says, oh, have you heard of Kijiji? Was it Kijiji? <laughs> One of those. Maybe, yeah. Like a Kijiji type thing. Yeah. And she's like, oh, have you heard of this thing? I'm like, no, because I'm... I was just stoked because it was free. <laughs> I couldn't afford personal ad things. Right. You know. So I log on to this whatever it is that my friend puts me on her computer because I don't know what it is. And this thing comes up that was posted one minute ago or like 38 seconds ago. Mm -hmm. And it was his post saying, looking for cool, awesome people to do like this thing at a restaurant. And I was like, okay. So I at least sent an email and sent my resume. And he replied within 30 seconds. He's like, what? I posted that less than one minute ago. And it was just this like instant moment of just like just serendipity. Yeah, just a good resume. Like, yeah. I'm a brand new nobody, and I'm like, oh my god, this person probably knows what they're doing. Mm. My resume was legit pimp for yeah. like the yeah, restaurant yeah, industry. Relatively. Just yeah. exuded a confidence without much hospitality experience. No, no, she had lots. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it started when I was 12. Come on. Yeah. Well, see, that's why you're here. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know the whole, the whole story. So, but then <clears> I was like, and then we had an interview that day. It was I'm very fast. Sure, I have no idea. That's a, that's a long time ago. It was very long ago. Yeah. And it was just like this really fast thing where he's like, yeah, come on in for an interview. And then I went in. We had a conversation in which I still have documentation of. Where she he, told me to shut up twice <laughs> during the interview. interview. And I was like, I like her. <laughs> you know, sounds about right. You know, kudos to you for that. Yeah. Because I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, this is going to be a problem. But I think a lot of, a lot of people who have courage. Yeah, yeah aren't afraid of strength like that because no, they know they can, great. they yeah. can, they can tow to that truck and like carry a long weight. I get that's, that's good. That's good. Like think of how bold you have to be in the middle of your interview to tell the yeah. person like that's actually hiring you to shut up. Okay. I, I wouldn't do it. Can we just, yeah. can we take a moment here? I didn't tell you to shut. I wasn't like you shut up, sir. Like I was like, we got along and we had a thing in common. I was like, shut up. Oh, uh, it was like that. It wasn't like, Shut up, you dick! Like it was not like I was being a jerk. Curse! It's all the nuances. You could have that could have been bad. Okay. That's not high. Be better. Yeah, yeah. But we got along instantly. It was awesome, and it just made sense. And then everything from there made it's sense. Good. But good. when we went to rap, that was that was bold. Like I gotta be honest, when we were moving to Hamilton to open up a rap scallion and mm -hmm. do a nose to tail blackboard, whatever we feel like, menu. open one day a week because it was our only day oh, off. We'll get, yeah, we'll get. That's that. right. We actually had a backup plan to open a burger place. Okay. Because we were like, Hamilton didn't have anything remotely mm. like that. And we were accepting the fact that maybe it's not time. Like, totally honest, we got lucky. Like, did we do a good product? You know, on a budget, we did a very good yes, product. Yes, you did. Um, but we got lucky that the timing was right. It mm. could have turned into a burger place, no problem. <laughs> Two but years earlier, a, it turns into burgers. But that was the thing. and. Also, the thing about that is we had no money. So, like, we had our savings, which was, like, $5,000. And we're like, so are we going to try to do this thing? We spent all the money on buying the building. 
So we had $5,000 left. And so I took two months off of working at Alex and I just like did things. I painted and did the stupid things. And we were like, instead of being like, what kitchen equipment do we want? We're like, what do we have? And how can we uh, build a menu around it? So it was all about like being flexible with what we had because we were poor as F. And we're just like, to this day, this uh, Joe at Westtown, if he happens to be listening to this somehow, <laughs> I would like to thank him. <laughs> Joe at Westtown probably does not remember this. And I've tried to pay for it he many times. He gave us all our tables. He gave us all of our really? tables. Really? Yes. And chairs, I think. Yeah. No, no, just tables. Just tables? I can't but remember. Because he, yeah. he was a regular at, um, we used the really shitty chairs that existed there. And then after a year, when we started uh, making right, money, right, right. we No, them. you reupholstered them with a staple. Yes, yeah, I did. That's right. <laughs> Stapler, actually. But it was, it's yeah. like this thing where like, yeah, he was a regular customer and he's like, oh, that's cool. I got stuff. Here you go. We're like, oh, thanks. We're Amazing. Joe, I money? still owe you money. <laughs> so, so just to be clear, you're already hustling full time doing a job and you're doing a passion project yep. on the one day off you have yes. and building something in the interim of whenever you can stop working. Okay. That's the kind of insanity that seems to be inherently <laughs> attached to people like us. Now, here's a great quote by Charles Bukowski. Find something you love and let it kill you. Is that not perfect for hospitality people? Because I, I read that. I'm like, I, I think that's kind of that's it. That's how I feel about Kershaw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, I mean, okay, so you survived the insanity of that. So how long did it take for Rapscallion to kind of overtake the Alex in terms sure. of scope and, uh, you know, fanfare? So we started with the one day a week. Yep. Uh, On February 18th, 2012. Oh, nice. It was by design, but also... Uh, it was our one day off. We were closed the Alex on Sundays. And uh, I remember Erin had said something at some point about going to a restaurant somewhere in her past where she, it was only open one day a week. That really captured my imagination. And I remember saying, hey, why don't we do that? And I thought the idea of marketing, we didn't have any money for marketing. I'm like, I don't think there's any better marketing than hearing about a place that's, right. open, that's bold enough to be open one fucking day a yeah. week and it's Sunday. <laughs> what are, who, who are these people? I love it. You know? <laughs> so it was by design, but it was also our day off, so we could do it. Right. Um, so we opened one day a week. And then by March 16th, we were booked four months in advance. And then wow. by April, it was like mid-April, we were booked like seven months in advance. It was wild. And I was like, we should maybe open some more days of the week. Yeah, the demand was... It was crazy. Really like, bent up here. couldn't keep up with it. Really it bent wild. up. This is like one of those rock and roll side projects that guys start bands and the, the side project becomes bigger than yeah. the actual original band. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. You know, it's actually, it's so cool. So then we build off this. We're like, okay, let's open three days a week. So we're Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, books weeks and weeks in advance. Awesome. This is fabulous. So we're like, okay, maybe we should open more. And so then this started happening. And then a, a second phenomenon happened after that, which is what actually equaled um, Two Black Sheep which was the next place we opened, it was that people were staying longer than we expected mm -hmm. or they wanted to drink more or this or that or they'd come early for drinks but we didn't have a bar. So we ended up opening a bar up the street as a holding place for Rapscallion and then that bar ends up being wow. more popular than the place we opened it for. It was just like wild. I didn't know that was the inception of that. So, yeah. it, so it's, I feel like what you guys created somehow subconsciously uh, lured people into a very European rhythm, mm -hmm. just hanging out and being there. That's, that's cool. So like, so as, as a, you know, I own a small little humble shop. You always hear about success many times killing you faster than failure uh, or, or growth 
exponentially too fast, killing you. You guys have done the insane thing by duplicating yourselves and doing more and more and more. Um, it looks like it's easy. I'm sure it's not. But what is the jump off point from finding success in that and finding that perfect rhythm called Rapscallion and going, okay, we're very busy with this. We're doing, it's a good thing. Shall we do more? What was that process like of getting out of that success comfort zone? For me, it wasn't, and you can agree or disagree, but it wasn't about anything other than the need. Right. It was always the like, what's the need? We have to fill it. What's the need? And it was after we passed that that we started having failures. Where we're like, ooh, let's do this ridiculous thing. Let's do this ridiculous thing. I because see. we got caught up in like... We, we were too successful the first <laughs> four things we did. Right. And we didn't realize... We, like, honestly, at some point it got a little like, we're amazing and can't fail. King Midas kind you of know? thing. Yeah. That's it was not, great. Does, I'm so thankful we <laughs> failed on or whatever... Yeah, Pick one. Work. I know we got we got lots. Yeah, we got lots, lots of failures. Lots <laughs> what did that, that feel like for you? Did it, did it was it crushing or was it like man? No, okay, let's no, go. No, no, it was it was a good ego like blow, but Check, like, yeah. it was cool. It was cool. Like and it, it was it was also very humbling that the fact that could have been the first place because it was except for Kenneth and honestly I thought that was a very good place. Like the quality was solid. I've been there. It's good. You know, I enjoyed and, it. And yeah. uh, it could have easily been the first place mm -hmm. and failed. And that's it. And I'm working at uh, you know a retirement home right now. You are right now? No, I would be. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I mean? Like, I'm like, like, you're working on retirement already? <laughs> yes. I don't know, man. You're you're right. Right. So, it's, it's COVID. You it's never COVID. know. It's COVID. We're not making any money. I'd say a job. Um, and Aaron could be working on, like, I don't know, some annoying... I would obviously have an amazing job as a CEO in a oh, company that made God, a ton of money, and it would have been... The worst person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's so many pathways I want to go down here with this. Um, I don't know where to start. This is a low-hanging fruit question because, like, you know, women and business and, you know, in a male-dominated world, you know, I hazard to even kind of go down this road because it's been done a She's lot. She's answered this a few times. I'm you're, sure you have. You're going to go down the road anyway. <laughs> well, you I'm know, I want to go, I want to kind of holler down the road. I don't want to, like, you know, camp here too long, but, um, you know, I, I, and I hazard to say this, but I feel like Jen Egg in, in Toronto, Black Hoof, is kind of like a spirit animal of yours in Hamilton. And I, I mean, I forgive me if you don't like that. I don't know where you stand on her. The reason why I say this is because she's got brass balls and she's good at what she does. And um, she's not afraid to back down on a number of issues and topics. I would love to see Aaron and Jen Egg in a ring. Me too. But maybe that's what you want to talk about. Let's like let's talk about the polarizing figures of strong women. Is it is it What's your take on that whole thing? Do you think it's bunk? Do you think it's timely? Do you think it's... Where are you on that whole thing? On the whole thing of strong women? Uh, I don't know. Everything I just rambled on about. What, <laughs> There's what, a lot there. Whatever, like, whatever, what, whatever resonated with you in terms of that. Like, what, what are you sick of hearing about? What's the, what, are the, what are the cliche questions? What, you know, where are you at with the whole thing being you in this industry? Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Did I touch a nerve? Yeah, of course. I'm a woman who's worked in this industry since I was 12 years old. So You're so sensitive, eh? I will fucking cut you. <laughs> Don't even. All right. So got to take a chance here. What I'm not sick of hearing is women stepping up saying the shitty thing happened to me and holding men accountable. Right. I'm not sick of that. Um, I am sick 
of men in the industry saying things like, that's the way it is, or that's how it's always been, or using the chef that they learned under as an excuse for how to behave, because right. I think it's fucking disgusting. Right. I'm sick of uh, shitty behavior towards people. I'm being accepted. I'm sick of people abusing people physically and verbally and saying that's okay because this is the industry we're in. I'm just like kind of over all of it, all the shittiness and the excuses and everything. And it has nothing to do with being a woman. It has something to do with being a woman because I've been in the situations where a customer grabs your ass and they think that's fine because Oof. they're tipping you so like they own your body for some reason. A customer in your restaurant. Yeah. I've wow. literally kicked people out before wow. it. Wow. I've spilt accidentally hot water on people for doing that. <laughs> because, well, historically, that, that was your only out. Recourse. No, it's not, even a, it's not even a joke. It's so pathetic that that has been fine for so long. Yeah. And now people are stepping up. And then there's this, and I've heard it. I've heard dudes talk about it. This whole, like, oh, well, it just seems overboard or, like, people are overcorrecting. I'm like, it's not a fucking overcorrect. Right. This is shitty. And it's always been acceptable. And it shouldn't be. So... Yes, it hits a nerve. I, 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 <laughs> I think, dare I, dare I say, I think it's actually, it transcends all of that. It's actually a human problem. It's a human thing. Um, and it took me being married to a wife who's been in service her whole life as well. And hearing the stories, actually, it's not actually rumors. It's, it actually happens on average to the average female. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. But there's something about hospitality where somebody's paying for a service and they're tipping you where they feel like they have... Entitled. Yeah. They own you. 100%. Isn't it funny how something that we produce such a beautiful thing can have such an ugly underbelly attached to it? Yeah. But it's also like... And there's something to say about like the more high-end it is, the more expectations there are. Mm -hmm. So like... Historically, I've worked in fine dining restaurants and I've been one of the only females because historically in fine dining restaurants, it's usually men in service for whatever reason. And um, I've seen the grossest things yeah. being like the only female amongst men. And it's just so weird. Like I'm spending this amount of money, therefore I deserve this or I own this or you owe me this. And it's not a joke and it's not an exaggeration. I'm lucky to be a strong human who's like, no, absolutely not, that's stupid. Mm -hmm. And I have the wherewithal to say, like, under no circumstances is that a thing. Right. But not a lot of women do. Like, they don't have that, like, inherent, mm -hmm. like, thing where they have that, like, capacity to say no unacceptable because they have a little bit of that, like, guilt or what, whatever it is that... And being nice and not wanting to offend. Exactly. At, at the so, detriment to yourself, which is something my wife has really hit home to me. Yeah. That's... Fascinating, um, because I, I loved hearing it from your perspective. So I want to I parlay that to Chef Matt, who I know you likely have come up, you know, I'm going to make assumptions. I'm sure you're classically trained. You probably worked in some pretty staunch machismo kitchens. Um, I know you have pedigree. So being at the helm of multiple operations, um, being partnered with someone who has a story like that, how, what, how do you approach the culture within your kitchens, um, mm -hmm. you know, right now? So early on, I recognized um, a lot of great things about Aaron. And even though I was the initiator of the company and I started the first place, I quickly realized 
I was very good at making food and I wasn't all that good at doing other things. Mm. And I recognize that Aaron was a great leader. Like I am a good, I am the sort of person that people will happily follow and want to make pleased and do great things. But Aaron's a really great CEO. She's a great uh, leader. Um, and in life, I've always wanted to make the world a better place. That's mm. one of those things. I was born really lucky, like no doubt about it. I was born into a well-off, loving family. I'm a white dude who's over six feet tall. And like, I haven't had any problems in life. Like I've been super duper lucky. Humble brag. I don't even think that, I don't even think that's what that is. It's a straight up. Maybe he was, that's the way he was, it is. He was yeah. pretty, uh, pretty straight up yeah. on that. Um, <clears throat> and I've always felt a little bit of guilt because of that, that yep. I owe the world and the world should be, I should do what I can to make it better. And that, um, and there's a bunch of, a lot of things that I've tried to do in my life because of that. And what I'm talking about now is that I recognize that Aaron was an excellent and strong uh, leader. And she wanted to change things. And she was a sort of person who could. And so I was very happy to quickly acquiesce leadership and, um, uh, you know, media and et cetera to Aaron. And she's done a great job at making sure the company does good things. We run a good company. Mm -hmm. And we make... You know, I think we're making our in our own little way. We're making a little bit of difference um, in Hamilton and how restaurants should be run. I basically think, yeah, like that was my. I grew up in a kitchen where you know it wasn't weird to do all the things she talked about. Yeah, and I've been a part of them to some degree, and uh, I knew they weren't right at the time, but it doesn't matter. I was a cook, and you just. Agreed. There was an it's element. Like it's like a pirate ship. Like there's like a pride where it's like, you know, I got my ranger tab and I went through hell and I puked and I, and I, and I now I'm found, yeah. you know, a, you know, uh, worthy to call myself a chef. Okay, um, this this is a really good jumping off point because I, you know, as as an owner of my own thing, I'd be struggle to maintain that line of the food tasting good, the food looking good, it tasting and looking like you when you're not there for the day, having people be kind, hospitable having uh, synergy, I hate that word, but synergy amongst the staff. Um, and I've sat in on some of your meetings and hearing it in the periphery when I was prepping. I worked at Rapscallion for a hot minute, by the way. Um, and you guys have a tribe of people. I don't get the sense from the other bird that you have staff. I get the sense that you have a posse. We like to call it a cult. But yeah. yeah it's no, we don't like to call it that. Who oh. do? Ugh. A clubhouse. So <laughs> here's what I want to know. How the hell did you accomplish that? And I don't even know if you know how you did it. I think some people just come by leadership naturally. But how do you tow that line of being familial but expecting a return on your investment and having that fine line of healthy fear and love and knowing your staff are cared for? Um, when you have one restaurant and you're both working in it, you hire people you want to drink beer with. Huh. And you're there, so everyone's accountable at all times. When you have two restaurants, we're split in two. We still hire people we want to have beers with, and they're still accountable because we still work there every day. So nobody's doing anything This is gold. Weird. When you have three restaurants, and then it becomes strange because there's two of us, and actually when we opened our third, I stopped I became more like running the company and less working in the restaurants. Then it became about hiring people who you want to have beers with. 
but it was about... But less so. Yeah. It was about hiring managers who you trusted, rewarding them the right way, mm -hmm. but also firing super fast if somebody mm. does a thing. When you have four restaurants... That's huge. No, but, and this is, this is legit. Our fourth, then it became very different. It was about like... How do we instill the things that we are in the people without working with them? Like, Kirsch was still working with people every time we opened, but I wasn't. I was around, but I was never, like, working in the restaurants. So then we, it became about training. So then it's, like, give them all the power in the world so they can comp anything they want, right, from, like, service staff up. You don't have to ask a manager. You don't have to do whatever you want. If you want to give something away for free, give it away for free. Tell us why. We're fine with it. It's cool. You... Um, don't steal from us, or we will fire you. And uh, if you want to fire a customer because they're shitty to you, you can do that. Like, you get all the power, you can do anything you want, we trust you, but if you screw us, you're done. Can I just pause? Yeah. So there are so many nuances to what stealing from you means. Now, if you're at a pizzeria, you take home a medium pizza. So we... What does that look like? Okay, so this is also... We love the gray zone. We love it. Right. So, like, if you're hungry, eat. Yep. If you're, Basically, if it doesn't show up in our numbers at the end of the month... Right. We that's cool. Care. Yeah. Steal away. No. Okay. <laughs> Stop. Quote. Oh, Honestly, God. it's basically true. No, but, like, if you're hungry, eat. After work, if you want to have a couple drinks. Our discounts are heavy. Originally, it was, like, 50% off all food and drink. And if you're working, everything's free. Like, we were generous. Mm. But our generosity... Got taken advantage of a few times. Yeah. It did. Right. And it but, it also, but it also created this fabulous group of humans who are like, thank you for appreciating us because they worked at 20 places before us who didn't, didn't trust them and who right. had cameras on them at all times and who, if numbers were off, they would start pointing fingers and blaming people. And like, people in our industry are generally treated like shit. Yeah. And the fact that we respect people and give them the freedom to be human is shockingly effective. And that is that is the trick to your retention. No, but it's like Okay. So it's like not crazy. We no, just no. respect it. It makes sense, yeah. But so so there's two schools of thought that I've come across. Uh, people like rigid rules and walls and makes them feel safe and they know what the boundaries are. What you're saying to me is that they learn those rules through osmosis organically, and your freedom that you're giving them actually produces fruit. Like yes. that's See, you guys, this is what I'm gathering from you guys. You, you're trusting. You're trusting of Aaron oh, huge. to lead. I'm entrusting to a point of, like, it's the no, to, like, to, to folly. He's, he's, <laughs> like, I could literally be robbing him blind, and he would have no idea. I'm fine with it. But I think, I think that's the kind of the crux I'm getting is that. Please steal from me is all <laughs> I'm saying this evening. You heard that. Uh, is that there's, uh, you guys don't have a, a death grip on anything. I mean, no. of, of course you have, a, you have a handle on stuff, but that's kind of what I'm getting. That's yeah, pretty no, cool. I mean, there's times in the kitchen I'll be a little unreasonable. What's yes. the word? Chefy. Yeah. Where I'm just like, listen, someone's coming out for dinner. They're spending money. There's no reason they should come here except to have a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. It'd be much more efficient if they just like stopped at McDonald's or M&M Meats. But they came here because they want to spend yep. and have a great time. And it just drives me insane when someone doesn't care about food. Absolutely. And I'll lose my mind sometimes. Not like I'm not... Nothing like what I grew up with, but I am not pleased yeah. when someone doesn't care. Well, I also don't think there's anything wrong with showing your teeth. I think people have yeah. gone so far the other way 
that you can't, you know, growl no, here and there. Ridiculous yeah. At some point. Yeah. So I always say to my cooks, you know, make it like it's like it's for someone you love. Like yeah. for your girlfriend on your second date or how like, you, you know, you, yes, well yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm like, and they're like, okay, okay. So, yeah. So you guys, I mean, this is, I, I want you guys on like five more times. There's, there's too much to talk about. So, well, can, we can circle back to that. Let's talk about the, um, the other bird family. How many operations do you guys actively have right now and where? Six. Six. I think that's correct. <laughs> you are you in so outside of the Hamilton area. You have you're in Paris still. So yeah, Paris, London, Burlington, outside of Hamilton. And you of the Paris Hotel. Yeah, the Burlington. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Why in the world would you really open is. a hotel? Really you know what? Let's let's not. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let's just say it. Paris Hotel. Okay. It might have been one of the mistakes. No, it's not. It might have been. No, it's not. Well. It's, okay. It might, so it might be one of the things we still argue about. So six six projects. Yeah. Okay. So, guess how many we've done, and closed. Um, We're talking about this today. It's kind of depressing. I'm it's important s- to know. Based off my rough driving around and seeing it in the periphery and hearing things, I'm going to say eleven. Oof. Close. Twelve. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That takes balls. Yeah. Uh, what's taught you more, failure or a win, or are they both equal? Uh, you know what? It's weird. I, I would say for me, um, especially early on, um, we were doing things because we really wanted to do them and we enjoyed them. Mm. And we continue that on. And I would say we've recently shed that. It's an unfortunate, but it was a realization. It was a really important realization for us is that at the end of the day, no matter how much we want to do the arts and how much we want to make people happy, most importantly, the only thing that actually matters first is to make money. Mm-hmm. And then we can have our play things. We were putting our play things before, and I think recently we've had a, a dynamic shift where mm. we understand. <laughs> recently we, slash COVID. Right. Well, that didn't hurt. <laughs> it is before that. But we realize it's really important to make money first and then have the access, you know, to capital to have playthings that don't need to make money, That's which is what we actually want to right, do. Right, right. But they shouldn't come first. That's it's changed. That's it's a changed. whole other yeah. dissertation yeah. right there. Yeah. That's huge. Okay, so the obvious, the other ob- obvious thing that we must talk about is six operations. One of those operations has probably a hundred rooms, a banquet center, a kitchen. How big is the staff at the hotel when it, when for, the, when the world is <laughs> open? Three people. Uh, like, I don't know, 70, 60? And so that means weddings. But right now it's five. <laughs> Kind of like The Shining, with just like a family running a whole. Yeah, we canceled thirty-eight weddings. Oh last my year. God, Aaron! No, it was more I can't. Okay, okay. So but whatever, yeah, it's a lot. Let's talk about this. What? Co- <laughs> Silence. COVID. Nothing to say. <laughs> I wish you had a. Do you have a cricket button on there, Sean? <laughs> um, COVID. Yeah. What the hell uh, did that do for uh, you guys? Okay, may I just for a sec? Sure, sure. So. <laughs> We're just still waiting for the cricket sound. <laughs> whenever you just surprise us. Whenever. You do you. So when COVID, so I will never forget sitting in our old office that we had to let go because we couldn't afford it anymore. Nice. Oh, there it is. Nice Sounds like a squeaky wheel, yeah. but anyway. Um, sitting in the office, Kershaw was in New Zealand. So my business partner slash. Slash nothing. Slash human who takes care of me when I'm having a meltdown. Ah, I see, I see. Is in New Zealand. And so the Trudeau announcement comes up, and he's like, hey, everybody, go fuck yourself. And I'm like, oh, sweet. And uh, there was this moment in one day we laid off 200 people. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, and I was one of them. And I was like, that's cool. 
No, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't want to blow this up. I don't want to blow this off. Relate to me. Okay. What was that a Winston Churchill moment? Like, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'm going to tell you the absolute truth. So that day, so we go home, we left 200 people. Uh, and uh, I love this. So everybody's like, you gotta, you gotta like send everybody a really inspiring message. I'm like, what? Sorry, what am I supposed to say that's gonna make people feel better? You gotta write something because people are looking to you and they need you to be a human. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do that tomorrow. Right now, I'm gonna crawl. It's 3 p.m. Uh, I'm gonna crawl into bed on the 16th of March. I'm just gonna go home. I'm gonna get into bed. <laughs> of a bottle of wine, and I'm going to cry for nine hours, which I did. It was great. I watched Titanic and a couple other movies. Wrong movie. It, it was the sinking ship. <laughs> it was applicable. Cathartic. I call Kershaw. I'm like, you're coming home. He's like, nah, nah, it's cool. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's fine because, like, there's lockdown, but I'm, like, traveling. I'm like, you're not coming home for you. You're coming home for me. I'm not okay. I'm kind of stupid and I got it. Yeah. When she said that. I was like, oh. I'm like, I'm not okay. This is not okay. Everything's falling apart. And I could actually cry like literally right now mm. just talking about it. But it was the single worst day of my life. I am not a person who hangs out crying in my bed with wine, but I, I was. You were Meg Ryan for the night? No, it was legit the worst day of my life. And it wasn't, it was just like, we just laid off 200 people oh. who have families and shit. Like, what is our life? And like people are calling me, other restaurateurs, they're like, what are you doing? What are we doing? I'm like, how am I supposed to have these answers? I don't know. And it was this moment where I like realized all these humans are looking to me to be their guiding light. And I am not, like, what? I'm not a guiding light right now. I don't even know how to be a human, let alone like how I'm gonna pay my mortgage, what I'm gonna do. I'm calling my parents to be like, can you send me some money? Cause I'm not gonna get paid for like, and I'm freaking out myself, but I'm like, and so he came, he's like instantly books his flights home. He's like, I understand, <laughs> I will come in, I will be your hero. He wasn't, he had to quarantine for two weeks when he got home, but <laughs> it was fine. But it was just like the single worst time. And it was just such a weird thing. So after like having a night of crying and a day of reflection, I have to write an email to the 200 people who don't have jobs and I'm supposed to be inspiring and I was just like, ah, like, I'm sorry, this sucks, this is the worst, let's do this. I, like, it was so strange. Would you say that that was a defining moment as a leader? Yeah, a defining moment in realizing that, I honestly, before that time, I had no idea how much people looked to me for stuff. I had no idea. Are you better for it? I guess. <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I failed because I didn't know. Right. But this is this is gold. I mean, and honestly, I, I love what you just said about Matt, like saying, like, no, you need to come. That's very telling of your relationship. And I think that's kind of like the secret to the sauce mm -hmm. is is the willingness to go. I need you. Can you share with me like you may have been in New Zealand, but of course it had a impact on you. What was that like for you? So, you know, Aaron is is running the the, the hydraulic systems and the, and the numbers mm -hmm. and the analytics. You're the creative end of things. And you know, your heart's on the plate and the, that whole thing, your art, your staff, your creative outlet, your, your legacy is being given a dirt nap. What was that like for you? I mean, uh, I think here. So 
I went to New Zealand. Um, basically, we were coming into opening our, our flagship restaurant, our new Rapscallion & Co. We're bringing back Rapscallion nice. & Black Sheep. We're super excited. And things got a little delayed, but not, nothing bad. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this time because I'm not going to have any time this year, the rest of the year. I'm going to go have some me time, and I'm going to go to New Zealand and have some fun. And there had been, like, some report of COVID, I guess, maybe. Nothing any of us paid attention to. And it kept creeping in over my trip, right. creeping in, creeping in, creeping in, until finally it just kind of ruined the trip, and we were, that's the only thing we're talking about. Um, and I got to, you know, truly honest, there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if we'll get trapped in New Zealand. That you would know? be tough. You know, like, huh. He was, ho- he was hoping. And the hole in the ground was a hobbit. His what name am I going to do, man. right? Yeah. Um, and then when I got back, um, which was felt sketchy and weird, and then hearing and talking to Aaron, and like I was so out of what was happening because I wasn't there when the 200 people got laid off. I wasn't, I didn't have nothing to do with it. I was like getting the report secondhand, you know, the day before they happened because of time and right, you right. Know, weirdness. Um, and so I didn't really get it, what happened. Um, and when I got back, it was a whirlwind. Um, trying to get a flight was brutal. And when you finally did, trying to get back to New Zealand, you just don't sleep and everything's messed. Yeah. And then I go quarantine. And by the time I actually rejoined the other bird and everything, um, I missed all the... It's a different world. I missed it all. You know, I missed all that weird, awful right. darkness. And I was part of the dark times when I was working. And I just worked every day because that's what I could do. And um, It was actually the most Matt had ever worked since well, he opened his first true, restaurant. No, it was like, but it, you were like, I was su- super impressed. You legit worked every day for what, like 60 days straight? It was wild. Like slugging it out in the kitchen and no, like, like, behind the stove. Yeah, he was yeah. there every day yeah. doing the stuff. And I'm like, I noticed because I'm like helpless and I'm like, I can't yeah. do what he's doing. So I'm sitting in my house, like feeling helpless, and I super respected how much you worked. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, like, COVID is just weird, right? And like, I thought it was gonna be over much sooner than it was. I think obviously we all did. Um, like the war, would be over by Christmas, <laughs> right? Like I <laughs> thought September were good. Yeah. We got, we end up getting a very large government loan. We're kind of like, okay, you know what? And Aaron and I, true, honest to God, mm. we're like. This is awesome. Yeah, the, <laughs> we yeah. are going to. Use, we're going to be out of this. And we're going to have tons of money left. Oh, we're going to open so up new places. It's going to be, be very exciting. Nice low interest loan. <laughs> we yeah. were mistaken. Yeah, we were, we were sorely mistaken. Uh, so we're talking about it in past tense. Yet here we are. Yeah. yeah. Well, past a year, and it, it's still a shit show. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to get into the boring analytics of everything. But sure. what? How have you managed to keep keep moving? What are you doing right now? What is the average? Yeah. What does the machine look like right now? What do you? What capacity are you running? I, I, at? I would say first and foremost, um, regardless of your political stripe, uh, we would not really exist without the federal support. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been absolutely key. We would probably close. I think everything. Yeah. I think everything would be closed, and maybe we're bankrupt too. Uh, without yeah, federal support, 100%. Um, we're not not a single one of our places did take out. Really, traditionally no, before before. Oh, right, okay, yep, right. And so we and like that word pivot. Of course, we want to like. I would like to get into boxing ring with the word pivot, and you know, have a a very quick, vicious round with it. Um, That's amazing. And we've done that a lot. Like we, and we've tried everything. I, and I like being creative with stuff. So I'm like, I don't mind. I've, I've tried a thousand things, a million ideas. I'm like, here, we're trying this. She's like. You're a weirdo. And then once in a while they work. Um, but takeout has been like 
moderately successful sometimes, not successful sometimes. This lockdown, though, not it's just like it's just weird. It's you know, it's funny. Like we, so we have, like you, I'm sure we have. We're small. We're mighty. We have a loyal base, yep. and they've kept us alive. And there have been times where our numbers were boasting similar to summer with the full patio. I couldn't. It was supernatural. Summer was amazing. Yeah, uh, and, and because, you know, labor's down and it's all, you know, a, a volume game. But I have staff here that since they've, since they've started here, they don't know what it's like to plate on a plate. Everything's going in a box. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. like, like yeah. if they could only know what St. James sounds and feels like when Zeppelin's playing and people are <laughs> laughing and cl- the clanking of, and it's like that those cultural considerations is like that that's... You know, I'm not driven by money. Like money's nice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like people in the room, mm-hmm. that's what I'm here for. So that's that's been a thing. So now you're doing takeout, and you're obviously alive. You're doing it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, no, well, def, define alive. None of us would. None. I don't think anyone in our business would be doing this if this is what this was. Mm-hmm. Like, no. no. We all. Nobody likes doing this. But isn't it interesting it how? So. I hate it and I like it at the same time because we look back, like when we look back at this, and I hope there is a looking back at it and doesn't keep going, be like, man, you know, we watched this thing where these really talented chefs had to figure out how to survive and then they became a bottle shop and they started preserving and then they started turning into this grocery. We've never seen this before. This is the ingenuity to stay alive. Like, you know, necessity is the mother of invention kind of thing. Like... I've watched my peers creatively stay alive. I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. It's interesting. Okay. Like if uh, the changing of a business, so the bottle shop thing. Mm -hmm. For me, I love restaurants. I love, like you said, the sound, the energy, the humans, the people. And so pivoting to a bottle shop. I'm like, nah, I'm good. I was rather just close. I was the same way. So this week. No, but it's it's so but it's this is what I'm saying is so interesting where it's like, at what point can I just like run away from home and like buy a place in Greece and never come back here? (laughs) Like it's no, but these are the things I've thought like my brain has gone through these stages of like denial, Mm -hmm. acceptance, denial again. Is this seriously happening again? No, it couldn't possibly. They won't do that. Oh, they're doing it again. Okay, cool. And it's just like, I'm done. Yeah. I have actually daydreamed at night, like last night, about like a rum running route to go, can I get across the border in a boat at night under a bridge? Well, they, is there somebody there? Is the Coast Guard that like, You're I'm good. like, I'm, run, I'm running through like all these things. I'm, I can't believe we're even having these talks, but. No, it's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, from the beginning, I was like, nope, I trust the government. Let's do this thing. And I was like, all in this lockdown, I don't know. It's breaking me. Yeah. It's like broken Rocky, me. what do you think is going to happen after this? <laughs> after this? <laughs> you don't want. I did, dude. Go on. I'm a, I'm a. Will there be orgies? It, what? Tonight are you talking about after? The, <laughs> after no, no, COVID. Here, no, no. I think. No, roaring 20s. What dude, up? I've said this. Tonight, I don't even know why I said that. Um, I say, I've said this many times. If this ever is allowed to end, the boom. Oh, strangers no. kissing in the street. Like we're talking Roaring about. Roaring 20s. It's going to exactly. be the 1920s all over again, except a boom. instead of a war, yeah. it was the COVID 19. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be wild. I agree. It's be fucking excellent. And I think people are going to be making a lot of money. I hope so. Um, but, I mean, it will only take us 14 years to recover, but. 
That's cool. <laughs> Again, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> how, how have restaurateurs survived, you know, COVID? It's, um, I don't know, you know, at least we don't have bombers bombing us from, a, from up top, but there's still this silent, creeping menace that's just like, whatever. Okay, well, I don't want to camp here too long. Because, <laughs> <laughs> so, because um, it's the dark place. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, this is kind of the whole point of this whole thing is, you know, I don't want to glaze over. This is, this is real life shit. Um, how are you staying excited and influenced and inspired? Another cliche word, but like I still watch cooking shows. I'll watch Marco Pierre White stuff from like 1989 or I'll watch. I love British cooking shows. Like I just I, I'm if I can't cook over there and I can't have my room of people, I still watch and am immersive with what I love. What are you guys doing? I, I'm a nerd. Like, I mean, every day I ingest a ton of industry-related things. Sweet. Yeah. Like, in every version of media, I am thinking and talking and researching and watching cool. food things. Cool. Um, I'm going to say something on Aaron's behalf she may not like. I would say Aaron is not well-built for pandemics. She needs... She's social. She needs people. Yeah. She needs, Me too. She needs the whole thing. Is, I, that, yeah. is that reasonable? I would actually argue, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like in a good place because I got to be alone for like a month and it was fucking fabulous. Oh, everybody was in a good place. Oh, I was like, yo, I was like, I've been training for this my whole life. I like, got this. Yeah, this is great. But I'm just like, now I'm done. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm so antsy. We've been sitting on the greatest restaurant we've ever opened for a year. Can I just pause there? Rapscallion is beautiful. It is a stroke of genius like no glad handing no bullshit no ass kissing like it's legitimately everything rapscallion should be it's beautiful thank you is it a crown jewel i think it's a crown jewel i'm super pumped about it i can't wait for people we had to see more it. than five thousand dollars this time yeah i'm like <laughs> I, that's the only difference I actually i look at the photos and i get kind of mad i'm like oh my god it's just sitting there it's just sitting there like no, a set like, there's nobody there's nobody in there it's it, it, it bothers me i've never it's the single most frustrating thing in my life. Like this is the first restaurant we've opened with like a, a true healthy budget because we right. had an investor, like a friend of ours who's fantastic. And it's this beautiful thing that we wanted to create, which was like a combination of two of our concepts that we love so much, Two Black Sheep and Rapscallion together. It was our first large scale restaurant, like 140 seats. Mm -hmm. It had private rooms. It's beautiful like there's dining room there's bar the energy the thought that was put into this place you can tell like working we, we had a great architect we worked with just like the every detail was thought to the end and it's just sitting there and it is the single most painful thing and every single person who comes in to pick up take up is like oh it sure looks great in here i'm like yeah I know. Please enjoy your steamed beef. <laughs> like, exactly. It's yeah. just, it's, it hurts so much. It's like, I can't. It's hard. It's my little baby, and I'm so proud of it, and we can't do anything with it. Three and weeks. Three weeks. We're, getting, we're open three weeks. Yeah, yeah. We've said that a hundred times before. What is the greatest thing about hospitality? Making people happy, for sure. Yeah. Like seeing that, like no, I'm not even saying no. Blowing people's minds, making people happy, that's easy. Blowing people's yeah, minds, yeah, that's true, true, fucking. True. What does that mean, though? Like in terms of the execution of no, the that, whole like, experience, or is it like 
the food. No, no, no. It's the whole thing from like the things. So I've always said the five senses when it comes to restaurants, most chefs only consider food and the way it looks and they don't care about everything else, which, and I understand I'm surrounded by chefs and I apologize to you all. I don't mean that of course. We're very simple. Thank you. (laughs) But chefs are like, Oh, all that matters is the food and that's cool. And like, whatever. And like, uh." not to Michelin. But when you walk into a place and you get that, like, the like busyness of the feel and mm. then there's music in the background. It's like, maybe it's like jazz or maybe it's something cooler. And then you just don't even, it's that je ne sais quoi about an experience that you experience this whole thing and you leave being like, that was one of the best experiences of my life, but you can't actually pin why. You can't pin it on the food or the service or the music. You're just like, that was awesome. My goal is to make people feel like Starbucks made you feel like in 1995. Uh. Shit, you're talking my language now. With the music, mm-hmm. the vibe, the smell, I was like, man, I'm cool. I remember, I remember because I came up in the 90s in music. I'm a musician as well. Starbucks was from Seattle. That's all I needed yeah. to know. And I tried my first, you know, Americano. I was like, this is horrible, but it's Starbucks. But like the jazz, the, yeah. and I, you know what? I, I take my staff to the drive-thru. I, no, we're going to take our staff to the drive-thrus at York Boulevard and go, I'm going to say, watch and learn. They're so good at what they do. Yeah. But that's a sidebar. But yeah, so um, <laughs> my goal is to always make you feel cool by association, by just being But in also, that. like, when you come into our place, I want you to lose time. Yeah. I want you to leave and be like, shit, we're there two hours? Oh, my God. Like, look at the time. Because you're not paying attention to it. Because even if it's a business meeting or even if it's a first date you're not that into, you're, like, having such a good experience, you don't even care. Yeah. And that's the goal. I think. Okay. Chef, sliding, sliding a pizza off a peel and plating pasta, my favorite thing. You? What, do you, what, what gets you going? <laughs> uh, deboning things, for sure. I yeah. don't care what animal. I like taking the bones out of it. You love the knife. <laughs> yeah. You're a yeah, knife yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right on. Stuff a meat with meat. That sounds good, yeah. Where did you go to school for food? Uh, I did my apprenticeship at the uh, Royal... <laughs> Sorry, there's an inside joke here. Uh, it's the Royal York <laughs> Hotel. I okay. have trouble saying that word for some reason. He says, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so you were in like an old old guard style. Yeah, so I, I did my apprenticeship there, and uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of it. It was, it was such a great program. There Amazing. Was, there was five apprentices a year, and they were chosen of hundreds of people. And, and you got it. And the, 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 exa- the exec chef, was, he was so good. Um, it was great. It was a three-year program, and uh, you know, and then I went to Canoe, which at the time was the top restaurant. Canoe? Yeah. I top, didn't know that. Top restaurant in Toronto. Absolutely. And, you know, and then I went to Europe for five years, and blah, blah, blah. What year were yeah. you at Canoe? 1997, eight, somewhere in there. Okay. I also love, by the way, did you see how he floated over I was in Europe for five years? He worked at some of the best Well, that was my, that was my next Well, po- that was my next <laughs> like, question. Let's, let's do some also, name dropping. I was in Europe for five years. Let's, let's name drop here. What, what, where have you worked there? Um... So you mentioned Mark Pierre White, so I worked at Harvey's of Bristol. I just uh, got goosebumps up my back. No, like, wait for it. You don't even know. I, and to be honest, I fucking hate it. It was the stupidest place. I would never. I've, I've I worked at one that. Michelin restaurant place. That was it. Have you heard the Batali story sucks. about that? Okay, anyway. Yeah, no, it's so stupid. It's a dumb. Was he there? No. Okay. I, he popped in once. Yeah. Um, How's that one? I love it. Yeah. I, honestly, the Michelin experience, I'm glad I did it because yeah. I, I can speak of it. And um, I now know. It, it, okay, I now know if I have a large enough budget and uh, wherewithal, I can open a Michelin star restaurant. Just need a big budget. Mm-hmm. I can make food that's tasty enough. Yeah, Aaron can run service good enough, but you need a real big budget. Well that's enough, what I learned. But English isn't. I know. That's not my first. Yeah. Where else did you work in Europe? 
Uh, uh, yeah, just other places. Like, <laughs> you're in a safe place here, chef. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> give, give me some the, more names. No, no, it's you're, not like this. You're, you're just, asking me to brag, but there's nothing no, to be bragging about. No, but you're not bragging. You were like I worked. In the, in, I worked in like the Swiss Alps at a very like like an ancient hotel. It was a very cool, amazing. Like it was like this 200 plus year old hotel. Oh. This top of the Swiss Alps. The last train would go down, and we were it. Oh. And it was the richest people in Europe, but the only the old rich people. They wore tuxedos old to money. dinner. To Ooh. dinner. So I'm making like old school European coffee. Were you doing like proper schnitzels? Oh, oh. During the day. So during the day we were cooking for the skiers. And you want to see me make some roasty? Yes, I, I do. I got you. I do. You need fondue, no problem. Party time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I worked at St. Andrews in Scotland. Cool. Uh, no big deal. Yeah. Nobody's heard of it. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been cooking now? Uh, I started when I was 15. So how old am I? Uh, 30, over 30 years now. Yeah. Wow. Didn't you win the something something culinary championship of the world or something when you were 19? Uh, I was early 20s and I won the, the world champion, the world cup of the, what's it called? Expo Gast. I was in Luxembourg. There was a world championship. I was on the team. I was captain for Canada for juniors and we won. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. You know, I, okay. So <laughs> here's the, here comes the ass kissing part, but it's not really an ass kissing part. So sidebar. I'm, I'm, I love pedigree, not because I'm a snob. I love, I love storied uh, weaving of his, being a part of history. And so when I was waiting to open my little restaurant, I knew Aaron because I did a supper club, and you liked what you experienced, and I'm like... Oh, I remember, I remember you telling me about <clears> that. Yes, I, was I like, remember I she, was ready, she was ready to not like it, and then she came back, she <laughs> told me about it. She's like, this guy's something. Isn't that the worst getting invited to like a supper party? And it's like, oh, no, but you understand fun. when a peasant Absolutely. invites me to a supper club, I'm like, this is obviously yeah. going to be garbage. And then I, it wasn't. I was like, I'm sorry, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a big deal for me because I was still in Toronto then. And, and I was like, please accept me, Hamilton. Like, I'm a Hamilton kid, but I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to miss out what's here. But anyway, so because of that contact, and you know a lot of the people that my wife knows. I reached out for a job because I was six months away from opening my shop and I needed money. And... Undeterred by p- potential competition, you're like, yeah, come, <laughs> and uh, and it was amazing. And I, I I lived around the corner, and I genuinely, genuinely loved it. And I still know all those people from seven years ago. Here you are, and I'm so proud to be a part of that story. Like you know, uh, and so pedigree is a lovely thing to have. I didn't learn under a master, mm. so whenever I get to be a part of something that's outside of me teaching myself or hosting something, I'm I'm very appreciative of it. So thank you again. For hiring me, I remember you. I remember you calling me on the phone and, and doing like a quick interview. And you're like, "Well, uh, Aaron vouched for you, but if you turn out to be a psycho, I'll just fire you." But okay, yeah, I'm just going pop, pop by Friday. I'm like, okay, but that's awesome. I, so we're, we're at about an hour. I got. I never go longer than an hour and a half. How are you guys doing? You got a couple more questions left in you. You're right. I've got uh, one and a half ounces of wine. Yes. Yes. Is this it? There's a little bit there. Uh, so, what was the moment? Uh, I'm going to camp still with you, chef. What, what was the moment that you decided food was going to be your life? What was your food epiphany and your, your career epiphany? I mean, it's always been a major part of my life for sure. I, I, you don't really realize things till you can look back on them, but like food in my family was always very important. My dad was the one who did all the cooking. It wasn't mom. Uh, family dinner was a thing every day. It was very important. Cool. Um, and I didn't realize the level of food we're eating at the time. It was, it was like my dad really, really cared, right? And I just took it for granted at the time. 
Um, I went to university because I got good grades. My dad's a professor, and I grew up in Ancaster. You went to university too. That's what you do, right? I didn't necessarily want to. It's just that's free. That's what you do, you know. So I went to U of T, and uh, I went for uh, commerce, well, economics, and got into commerce for U of T. Yeah, quite funny. I'm not a businessman. Well, I guess I am. Um, and I'd always been in the industry the entire time, and I'd always really liked the industry. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And my parents saw my grades at the end of year one of university, and they were paying. Mm. And they said, what's up? We know what you're capable of. My dad's literally a professor. Right. Like, there's no surprises here. Um, what's up? I'm like, well, you know, I'm having a, had a good year. It was fun. And they're like, is this what you want to do? I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, and so they asked me, we had a, you know, a long, genuine talk, and I admitted that I wanted to cook. Mm. And this was before the advent of Food Network. This was before being a chef was, was cool, cool. Yeah. you know? Like, this was not like, you Wait, know, What year would this be? Was this like 89, 88? This 80? would have been 94, 95, okay. thereabouts. Um, and so there's a long discussion, and mom encouraged me to finish my degree, but wasn't like, you know, adverse to other things. And dad was like, go for it. The professor said that. Yeah, the professor said, go for it. Awesome. Um, and luckily things worked out. But it was just something, I just always got that. Like, I've always been turned on my food. Right. And by, like, a good service. You know that feeling when mm-hmm. you have a, a good service? Mm-hmm. And you just walk out like a champion like mm-hmm. this. But, and then the inverse, when you have a bad service, when, you know, everything just falls apart and you kind of want to crawl into a corner and maybe do bad things. And you have imposter syndrome? Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> but what was the meal? Do you remember the first, that, that one meal when you were a kid? And you're like, oh, shit, this is... I'll tell you what mine was. It was in Hamilton. Dippy egg. A dippy egg? Buttered toast huh. and yolk. And I was like... And then it was a You're white... You're talking Aaron's language. It was no, a, that's it, my signature dish. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I, used to, I used to leave the table. I'd be like five. I'd leave the table chewing. And, and just, so I would prolong the experience. And I'd do a tour around the living room. And I'd actually turn back to the table and my food would go... <laughs> but it was so it was it was egg yolk and butter toast. It was the smell of a pizza coming to your table. This is when in the eighties when there were still parlor pizzas. And then um white wine sauce in New York with mussels. Cool. All under the age of ten. Oh yeah. And, and that, I was that's like, an epiphany. That I was way, like, oh, yeah. This is a thing. This is a thing. So like I'm curious what yours was. Okay, so there'd be three things that happened. A uh I remember I would get together with a friend of mine and we'd practice making stir fries on Friday night in high school because I thought that was fun to do. Right. And I didn't realize that was not normal. Uh, no. I then remember being up north with uh, the girl I was interested in was there. We were at a, the cottage and there was a bunch of us and I just, I was like, let's order pizza. I'm like, no, no. I'm going to cook leg of lamb. And, and I'm 16. Like that. And that was normal. Never like, did that. To me, I was like, Oh, of course, we're going to cook like a lamb because that's what I do. But the first the, that meal I had was actually in Hamilton. We There's a place on Lock Street called uh, Ron's Big Easy. Okay. Was that, that's, was that attached to Daniel, Daniel Lenoir? Lenoir? It was, yes. Is it Bob Lenoir Bob that did Lenoir it? Bob Lenoir did it, yeah. Okay. What, what year was that, that he was so, around for that? It's foggy, but I'm going to say it was late 80s into early 90s. Okay. And I remember that my dad took me there. He'd often take me out to restaurants, and I was very intrigued. The first time I had Cajun food nice. was at Ron's Big Easy. And the first time you have Cajun food, when you're not aware of its existence at all, because this is before the internet, this is before everything, right? There, there wasn't ingredients even around, right? Yeah. First time I put Cajun food in my mouth, I'm like, whoa, what is happening? Food from Mars. What is, what yeah. is going on? Yeah. This is not just 
brown gravy and salt and pepper, and that's the only thing I'm used to. And it blew my mind, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. You were how old? I would have been prepubescent. Yeah. You know? But like 12-ish. Oh, I love that. 11-ish, somewhere in there. Um, and it was like a, it was a mind-blowing experience. I was still picky uh, in a general sense. I, I, you know, I had to mature into it, but um, that meal changed how I thought about things. I was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, I see it in my son. Sam is four years old, and he loves he doesn't eat food. Every kid loves food, but Sam appreciates food. He got mad at me three days ago because I started making a red sauce without him because he had asked me earlier cool. to learn how to make it, and he meant it. And when I watch him twirl spaghetti masterfully, it is the most proud moment of my life. He, <laughs> he understands it, but I know that he's having moments that are shaping him. So if as a cook, that means everything to me. Okay, so let me... Back on the service side of things, a chef's, a chef's has a tactile thing. It's like, well, I had this and it was delicious and it blew my mind. So for your world, you're in the, the vibe, the vibe world and <laughs> uh, the cultural world. What, what were those moments that were indicative of where you were heading that marked you growing up? Mm. Okay. So, oh, that's so interesting. So when I was 15, my dad takes me to New York City. Nice. Was, it was with his new girlfriend. So on account of that, I got to go to uh, a place called the River Cafe. Okay, I got excited because I thought you were talking about the one in London. But there is a River Cafe near Brooklyn? Yeah, on the it's water. under the bridge. Yeah. And it, it was like, at the time, it was like the place because okay. he was trying to impress a woman. So I got to go to this place, and before that, I just started working at a fine dining restaurant, like kind of getting into it. So he's like, oh, yeah, you can come along. I'm like, oh, thanks. Well, I'm on the strip, so that's super generous. Um, so we go to this restaurant, and there's no uh, prices on the menu. It was one of those in New York, so you can imagine. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget looking at his face and him being like, like realizing because there's no prices how much this is going to Trying not to panic, yeah. He's fully having a panic attack. But the service staff, like, it was like they surrounded him with warm water. Like, they just, like, they could see the panic. They eased him into they it. They took care of him. Sir, um, I don't know if you're... And, and just the way they, like, spoke to him in, like, a lowered voice. And they, like, made all the choices up to him instead of asking the table, like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to choose off the menu? They're like, perhaps I could suggest this. And they, like, read the situation and it was a fabulous and amazing and it was like a warm hug and I will never forget that because I remember being like in my head being like oh shit we can't pay for this <laughs> this is gonna be crazy and like the bill came and it was obviously expensive but like they managed him right and it was so cool and so awesome and I remember being like yes I get it now because I worked in fine dining restaurant and I was like and at the time I was wicked poor and I was like, how do people eat here? And I don't understand. And I like watched the situation and I kind of took that forever, like forever into everything I did um, because we have like high end places and like approachable places and everything in between. But that like giving everyone, no matter what their capacity to spend, the same mm -hmm. fabulous experience is so cool and so awesome, which is bled into what we do. And like rap is a really good example of that where you could go and you could spend like $45 or you could spend like 500, but our purpose is that you could leave 
kind of feeling like you had the same experience. Like a, like a French bistro. Exactly. That's that's incredible. Um, and I like that that they created a perceived value for your father that he was like, okay, no, I get it now. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So busy, busy service, busy floor. Where are you most happiest? Are you happy expediting? Are you happy serving? Are you happy being a pit boss and kind of watching? <laughs> what 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 is your like area of grace? I have two favorite positions in a restaurant. One is a dishwasher. Yeah? She's actually a very good dishwasher. I'm a very good dishwasher. I'm bossy, but like I'm really good at my job. You like seeing a mess annoying you're gonna conquer it and Oh, gonna destroy it. But also the di- I'm okay. Anyone who doesn't give props to dishwashers and the hosts oh, are backbone. wrong. They're wrong. Yeah. They own the entire restaurant without those two positions, no restaurant could survive. You never guess what the other favorite position is. It's Host. hosting. It's, you know what though? It's the beginning and the end. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I love hosting is like you control the first experience people have walking through the door. Yep. You control the flow. You control everything. And it's just like, it's so important and nobody gives it credit ever. I, I don't think I'm going to brag on myself a little bit here because it's my, pod, it's my podcast. Yeah, that's okay. Great. Um, no, but when I worked in Toronto on Queen West at Dark Horse Espresso Bar, I was like a flagship. So like celebrity was in all the time. Like it wasn't even a big deal because it was like, Oh, there's, you know, so-and-so and so. Um, and there was thousands of people per week. And I, I always say this, I got my PhD in customer service in those three years because I was able to establish meaningful, non-patronizing customer service in 30 seconds. And, and so in the time to cash out and serve an Americano, I still have friendships to this day from those experiences. The reason why I'm saying that is, is I don't think people realize how integral and uh, important it is to win someone in a micro minute. And it's possible. I, and, not, and not using the corporate, like, hey, anything I can help you find oh. today? Like, none of, none of that saccharine. I obviously, I have no time for that. That's, <laughs> you know, that yes. doesn't count. But, like, when you can disarm, and, and I always say this, Toronto's one big high school hallway. Everyone's trying to be hard and cool. And then when you whittle them down, you get, you get to the essence of who they are. They're just like everyone else trying to, like, you know, survive the city. But I agree with you. Being a barista is being a hostess. It's, like, quick. Yeah. And it's a microservice. And I... I think that's an amazing gift and it's overlooked sorely. Yeah. I agree with you. Well, it's any position where you're constantly shit on but also have to constantly perform is a fabulous human. Grace like, under fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're, as we wind down, I want to know what was the last great restaurant experience you had prior to the world shutting down? Where are some of your favorite places to eat? <laughs> no, this is funny. Could be New York, Vegas. Is ours going to be the same? Wow. I mean, I assume so. Okay. So for both of our birthdays, two weeks or th- two weeks before he went to New Zealand. New Zealand. Relatively, I had a nice time before COVID. We, had, we traveled a lot that January, February. Please. Yeah. So uh, it was great. Um, it was, uh, I'd always had a, a mecca goal was to one day go to the French Laundry. Did you go? The French Laundry is. Don't ruin the punchline, man. <laughs> so the French Laundry, you know, is like, yeah. None of us would know how to cook except for Thomas Keller. We're so affected by him. It's crazy, right? Right down to the tape. You know, like, yeah. Like, he's just, yeah. like, you got to go, right? And I know it's overpriced, probably, and it can't be as good as you want it to be. Uh, but whatever. And it's three Michelin stars. And But when it's your surprise birthday present. Yeah. So, was it? Yeah. So <laughs> it was meant to be. And we end up in San Francisco, and they apologized 
the people I was traveling with, Aaron and friends, um, the guy who was meant to make the reservation failed to make the reservation. Time. Oh he thought, my God. He thought, you know, three weeks ahead of time would be enough time to get a reservation at the French Laundry. Which no. Yo. Same. No. No, th- all this is is my mastery of the human psyche. So what happened was <laughs> I'm they, basically, they basically <laughs> set up this huge thing. I'm like, that's cool, whatever. I'm like, we're still going to, like, whatever. We're in Napa Valley. Let's go drink wine, and there's tons of great places to eat here. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? And we end up getting drunk. These... Aaron actually gets in a fight, and I like I mean a bad fight with a guy who failed to make the reservation in time. Pretend and I would like I have to like you. talk them off the <laughs> edge, and then we're out wine drinking. I'm like I actually ask I'm like, hey guys, can we just stop into the French Laundry so I can see it, and maybe we can ask. Maybe I'm like, and, hey, Aaron. and by him asking, I manipulated that situation because I'm the master of the psyche. Aaron, do you mind going in and asking <laughs> if we could maybe like have a drink at the bar? I just want to see That's it. Explain amazing. who I am. It's my birthday. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have a reservation. <laughs> You sly dog. Yeah. Uh, so we did that just before. And it was... How was it? Okay. Uh, three Michelin star restaurants cannot be as good as you want them to be. I and you are both capable of making food that tastes as good as three Michelin star food. Um, some of the other things maybe we can't do. And some of the, you know, some of the visuals and the, and the uh, perfections and this, that, the other. Flavor-wise, you and I can make three Michelin star. That's food. high praise. Thank you, Chef. That's true, though. No, it's true. Um, there was some dishes that absolutely were everything I wanted them to be. All the ones you and I know of from his books, all those ones were so like good. just so. What was the bread like? Oh, oh so good. Oh, I have I all his books. And I'm trying to find. I, I think the Bouchon one has the, the baguette one it recipe. Was, but The food was fabulous. The room was it cold. Was. And it was interesting. This is one thing I hate about Michelin star restaurants because that's what I just go to them like it's fine but like they're cold they never are warm because they it's like they have to have this like sensory absentee in terms of temperature or like culturally like they're stiff it's it's white walls yeah okay with no art even the laundry felt that way yes really it was brutal the the room was not great no it was terrible there's one piece of art in an entire room the grounds were wonderful Beautiful, walking yeah. the grounds, the gardens and everything, yeah. But it was just a weird experience. And every Michelin star restaurant I've been to is the same, where they're so focused on the food that they've forgone the feeling of comfort completely. And it's interesting. So for me, that's I'd such an important I mostly agree, part. yeah. yeah. Even them, so I've always said it's, it's very rare to find a place that fires on all pistons. Good aesthetic, good service, good food. Yeah. And they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, French Lolly wasn't that beautiful on the inside. Do you know what I'd like more than a Michelin star? A bib gourmand. With the Michelin man licking his lips, mm. that would be my <laughs> ultimate like, yes. Okay, sorry, your story. <laughs> no, it's true, it's true, it's true. So I mean, what? That's it. I mean, yeah, it was, it was. I'm happy I went. Uh, I probably would never go back. It was outrageously expensive, and I'm not begrudging them. They've earned that. Mm. You didn't pay for it, but that's fine. That's also true, which yeah. was lovely. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I went. Awesome. Do I recommend you go if that's one of your idols? Yes, absolutely. I would also but. recommend instead of going, go on a trip to Europe with your wife for two weeks because it's the same amount of money. <laughs> Dude. Are you serious? Yes. Don't get the wine bearings. Like it's, oh my gosh. Are you serious? I'm not joking. The price is astronomical. Wow. It's not for, that much, but it is. You that have much. no idea. I have an idea. I have an idea. Go to Europe, eat in cafes. We did. Live your best life. You've been to France? What do you think of France? I've been Don't lie to me. Do you guy. like? Do you like France? She's I love France. Oh. I've lived in France. I love France. You live in okay. I, yeah, I've been twice. I just okay. Anyway. 
I'd like we're not I don't want to fight with no, you. No, no, we're good. Podcast. We're good. This we'll save that for third third podcast. Okay. Um winding down. <laughs> uh what are next steps for you guys as you wait for the world to thaw and open up? Like what are you currently doing right now? You're just status quo, you're just filling the demand online. Still orders. looking for new places, can't help it. It's a thing, man. It's like a tattoo. You gotta keep you gotta keep doing it. No, this is actually a weird time because I'm like, obviously restaurants are gonna close once subsidies. I feel like a lot of restaurants are only open still because of subsidies, and once they stop, that restaurants are gonna close. So this is actually the best time for expansion. So that's what we're doing <laughs> right now. We're like looking for places to expand certain concepts. I love that it seems like the wrong thing to do, but I think that it's probably the right thing to do. Those who dare win kind of thing. I would like to reference back to the Roaring Twenties thing I said earlier, and I'm severely counting on that. Gatsby style. Because if not, I'm out, you know? Okay, so if you weren't <laughs> doing this, what would you be doing? Not this? Hold yeah. on, do I, am I poor or do I have money? That doesn't really <laughs> enter into it. It's more of a... I get super... paid to be a professional golfer slash writer slash You're a writer. Artist. You're a writer, aren't you? Yeah. You gonna write, is there a book in you? Yeah. You working on it? She's published a few. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Someone paid her actually money. Yeah. Yeah. How long till you? So what? Alex started what? Twenty two thousand nine. Ten. Ten. So how long till you write from two thousand and ten till? How long is it gonna take you to actually write a memoir of what you've been doing? This shit. Well, it's interesting. I've been asked a couple times to write a book about this. I'm like, eh, the, the end's not here yet. But I feel like the end is nigh. You know. Have you read Gabrielle Hamilton's uh, Blood, uh, Blood Salt Butter? It's excellent. Great book. Excellent. She's But awesome. that's absolutely not the title. <laughs> it, what is it? It's, blood, sweat. I'm not, thinking of chili peppers. It's not blood. It's butter, Bones. salt, something. Yeah. And are you a fan of Bouvette? Um, Bouvette? Bouvette. Uh, <laughs> what is her name? That doesn't matter. I feel like he just says the wrong title about everything. Me? <laughs> Maybe not. No, I'm right. <laughs> I, okay, I'm already that guy now. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, we'll do a, we'll do a fire round. Where are we at? We're at an hour seventeen. Um, I'm gonna get you guys both to answer this question, and then we'll call, we'll call it a day. This has been wonderful, by the way. Thank you for coming. Pleasure. Um, we'll start with Chef Matt. Mm. You have ten people coming over. Mm-hmm. You're gonna do f- three courses, mm-hmm. and you're make, you're curating a music list. What are you doing? Okay, so three courses. Okay, okay. And you're making the music for the dinner party. Okay. What mood am I in? Okay, what what season is it? Let's go fall. Okay, that makes a difference. My favorite time to cook. Yeah, it's the best, right? Yeah. Everything's everything's good at this point. Okay, so um, I think a good dinner party, you don't want to screw around too much in the kitchen. Uh, so I think it has to be you know, in the oven or pre-done, for me to enjoy. And I like long, slow braises, things. So it's going to be my dad's lamb shanks. They're yeah. going to be braised in the oven, uh, nice and slow. There's going to be lots of wine being poured. Um, the vision of his father's legs in the, in the oven, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, so wine, braised lamb. Yep. 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 As the main. Uh, the main. That's the main. Okay. That's the main. Uh, dessert will be, I'm not great at desserts, but I can make a few good ones. Mm. Sounds like most chefs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that time of year... Apples, crumble or bread pudding, somewhere in there. Some are warm and in the oven and forget about it. Nice. That's good. Uh, appetizer, depends on who's coming. Hmm. Hmm. 
I'm going to the market that morning finding out. I don't know what's good. I don't know what the appetizer is. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to. Sounds like a cop out. (laughs) Be better. You don't have to give me multiple (laughs) multiple artists. If you had to pick one artist or one album, D Bone just stuff wings in. Screw you. Uh, The Beatles are always a good thing. I would like to have a restaurant where you only play the Beatles and that's it. Cool. Cool. That's pretty much what I played at the Which Alex. album? Which album? No, all A- of them. Aaron's stretching. She's getting ready. Oh, yeah. Aaron's totally right. she, <laughs> she loves the she, she might blow you out of the water in this I one. I fucking love it. Okay. okay. She does. All right, she does. All right. She's a huge Denver person. <laughs> I think I might have started winning you over when you came to that dinner with my charcuterie. And you commented that I put vegetables on it. And you were impressed with my, my experience. Anyway. What? Yeah. Okay. Anyway. You impressed me. That was the thing. <clears throat> all right. So, three, three, three. Three courses and music. Let me paint you a picture. Cool. All right. Uh, music. I start with some Duke Ellington. And I wind down slowly into some sexy Nina Simone, some Billy. I get there. I'm all about the jazz at all times. Jazz works, man. Set the tone with the jazz. First course is obviously some version of charcuterie because that's legit the only way to live your life. Give me bread. Give me. There's always. That's butter. not true. It's the francophile in you coming up. Okay. I love it. Obviously, Kershaw has no opinion and <laughs> should not be weighing in on my dinner party. You're not invited. I'm probably cooking it. <laughs> right. Anyway, <laughs> nobody in this world has more dinner parties than me. I'm certain. Um, main course, I do always. My like go-to is rack of lamb, because I love lamb. More lamb. Love it. Like salty, delicious. Aaron. Do you want to open up an all-lamb restaurant? Kershaw, stop jiving on my night. Why not? I'm talking. Would you or would you not open an all-lamb restaurant? I obviously would. Lamb's Thank the you. best. I yeah. would like to know the, Carry name, on. the name of that restaurant when that happens. It would be called Lammy Pie, which okay. was the lamb that I nursed back to health when I was young and then on the lamb farm. <laughs> and then <laughs> killed it and ate it. Anyway, wow. I digress. Can you stop interrupting? Yes. Okay. Uh, rack of lamb, salty goodness, in the oven, roasted, fantastic. Also salmon, because not everyone likes lamb, so you gotta have salmon. Uh, my grandmother's mashed potatoes, and who cares what greens? There's so much butter on them. Right. All you can taste is butter. Right. Second course. Dessert is uh, <laughs> chocolate-covered almonds and port. And we're done. Yeah? That's cool. Yeah. Because by the time dessert comes, everybody's so wasted with the delicious wine I served. Nobody cares. And then instead of giving them dessert, you give them something they eat with their hands and they're like, Tactile. I love you so much. And I'm like, yeah, you do. And they're like, no, for real. I love you so much. I'm like, I know. So it's the chocolate wine thing. It really That's is. That's hard to beat. I always say dessert's the prettiest face in the room. No matter how hard you try the first, it's like, of course, it's always the winner. It's the last thing you see. Uh, I like, yeah, no. Des- to me, dessert, and I think Kirsch agrees, nobody actually cares about dessert. They no, care no, about- no, 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 no. That's not true. Women care about dessert. Yeah, Sorry. I ha- I'd have to agree with I'm that. A- Big I have time. a I have a vagina. Oh, this is awkward then. <laughs> okay. I'm just glad I put a, an explicit uh, <laughs> marker on my podcast. Vagina is not a swear <laughs> it's not, word. It's not. It's it's not. I do have a vagina. It's fine. It's, you're not doing like Gwyneth Paltrow's products. Have you heard no, that? No, like it's not like this candle yes, smells no, like my vagina. I still don't understand that. Uh, okay, last last question for both of you, and then and then we're done. Someone wants to become a chef. What do they? What do you suggest they do? Uh, okay, they got to be a dishwasher first. Uh, yeah. Without a doubt, I, I mean, I hate when people say they like cooking at home. I'm like, that literally has nothing to do with being a chef at all whatsoever. Don't do that. That's crazy. Just enjoy cooking at home and be done with it. Yeah. Get a job, 
as a dishwasher at a restaurant, see if you like the feel. Yep. Start there. So you're a fan of the organic climb? Totally. I mean, do you want to go to school? Sure, whatever. What are your thoughts on school? My thoughts on school are don't waste your money or time. Um, but no, no harm. I would say if you're not going to Johnson's in Wales or yeah. Cordon Bleu, eh. I, 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 and I don't, if I see a resume and someone's got like, I went to liaison college or what, no, Niagara, no, I don't care. Yeah. I'm like, who did you work for last? Where did you work? Right. That's what I care about. Yeah. Why not get paid to learn? I agree. Do something a thousand times. Don't do something one time. Mentorship is a whole other conversation huge, we can have. Huge, it's huge, huge and it's woefully underused. School's not a bad thing, but it's not everything. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily recommend it. Agreed. Aaron? Well, my 30 years of education feel really dumb. Right uh-huh. Are you utilizing them a lot? You probably are, though. I literally am. Just, my just, master's in business. Just, of course, just want to put this out there for people who are not seeing what I'm seeing. Aaron has given Matt the finger probably six <laughs> times in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, anyway. The silent finger? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, same thing. I, wanna, I love Food Network. I love the industry. I want to open a restaurant, and I want to do my passion project. What are you going to say to them? Uh, you're going to hate my answer. No, come on. <laughs> Okay, the amount of people who've like reached out to me, they're like, can we have a coffee? I want to talk about this thing because they want to open a restaurant. And my first thing is like, okay, like how long have you worked in the industry? And if somebody's like, I've never worked in the industry, I'm like, then don't open a restaurant. This is not the life yes, for you. Yes, 100%. I do not believe that a human, like people do it in retirement. I'm like, why would you, re- what? At the end of life. The fact <laughs> that you're retiring yeah. and you want to open a restaurant shows that you have no idea what you're doing. It's so hard and it's so thankless and it is so uh is it worth it for me it is how often is it worth it in the seven day work week like before covid i say i i would always say once a week there'd be a moment i'm like ah this is why we do what we do and the rest of it it's like what the hell am i doing here no but it's it's wild but you have to be like a maniac a passionate maniac to like love this and do it and i've watched so many people fail and i've had so many people come to me as the like human who's going to help them decide if they want to do a thing and i'll ask like a couple questions and usually my answer is i think you're making a mistake because this is not for everyone and is definitely not for the faint of heart i I would think that i would say that most people don't get those true answers enough yeah maybe maybe not you should you probably shouldn't do this (laughs) um so you guys you know you don't need any help with fanfare and uh exposure but where what is open right now for uh, takeaway and did you guys do an Uber skip? Uh, so you have the mule and burrow. Yep. Uh, if you need your taco fix, um, in London, Hunter and co is open and doing uh, fun little awesome. small plates and packages. The Arlington hotel, which hopefully we can, you can actually go away to and stay at because mm-hmm. right now, like you can go there and you can, you can have dinner in the parking lot or you can have dinner in the room or you can stay in the, the hotels are still open right now. Strangely. Okay. Um, and then wrap sky and where I'm at, we're doing something on Thursdays. We do TV dinners, so take home meals to freezer, refrigerate. Awesome. Fridays, Saturdays, we do more fancy packages, and then Sunday night we do a little sandwich off, where it's like fun, cool, awesome. weird sandwiches. But all that to say, depending on when you're listening to this, if the world's opened up, we are open, and we would. <laughs> we have very expensive <laughs> wine and delicious fresh. Food. I will be there, Rob Scallion. Okay, one one last question. I like. What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Fast food takeout. Guilty pleasure. So many answers. I, I gotta know. All right, I'm gonna start. So Kershaw did something terrible to me a couple years ago. Don't admit it, Aaron. 
I don't admit it, Aaron. Didn't really grow up with fast food. Don't admit it. I grew up like, I'm so sorry. No, like it was like you eat naturally, and I had health problems, and my yep. mom took good care of me. Great, vegetables are awesome. And then a few years ago, Kershaw, we were like going to see a movie or something, and we're in Jackson Square in the food court. And he's like, "Oh, let's get Taco Bell." I'm like, "Oh, I've never had Taco Bell before." And he's like, "Sorry." <laughs> So, like, one of my favorite things is old El Paso tacos on Friday nights Mm -hmm. because that was a childhood thing. He's like, you don't know what Taco Bell is? So he goes and he gets me a couple of hard tacos. And now I'm a dirtbag. That's a thing. I love them. Taco Bell. Hard or or soft, though? Uh, Hard, obviously. The mule in Burrow. (laughs) Excellent to order from as well. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's my bad. I... Definitely don't eat Taco Bell twice a week. So Taco Bell is your go-to? <laughs> yes. Okay. You? I'm a dirtbag. I like everything. Um, favorite? All right. You're at McDonald's. It's 3 in the morning. What do you get? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, junior chicken. <laughs> Thank you. Is the... And it's cheap. Best option. Who gets the regular McChicken? Well, it's not that much bigger. That's the thing. It's crazy. It's more than twice the price. It's crazy. Am I crazier or are the burgers getting smaller? They're terrible. No, okay. I love them. But here's the other I thing, Chef. You. I'm going to just walk over your, your answer right now. It's my, it's, my, it's my position that the McDouble might be the greatest offering at McDonald's. Oh, interesting. I will try the McDouble oh. next time I'm there. I've never had one. It's, I find it, their burgers quite bad. Yeah? Yeah. I, I think their accoutrement's good, but the burgers themselves oh, are Oh, the burgers are suck, but it's, no. it's, a, it's a wholesale thing. It's filet fish Also very good. That's so the weird. filet fish is a fucking What excellent. would you do if I served you a piece of black cod with some processed cheese on it. Respect you more. <laughs> and I believe that processed cheese should be on all burgers, by the way. Thank you. I agree with that. Yeah, okay. Layer uh, fish is weird. I, I'm getting the feeling that you're not really a McDonald's guy. Where, where would you go if you could go anywhere? Uh, Wendy's is probably my yeah? top Not KFC? Okay, KFC so- is like a guilty pleasure. Every time I have it, I hate myself. No, but I think afterwards. that's what he's asking. What is your guilty well, pleasure? No, KFC uh, is your gross food that you love. No, well, let's go Wendy's. What, what do you get? Yeah, yeah. I you mean, get the big bacon deluxe. You know, when it's uh, when it's the bacon mushroom melt season. Okay, uh, you'll find me at Wendy's. Okay, yeah. All that cheese. You know, I like the fake cheese. I do. Yeah. I respect that. You guys got cooler all of a sudden. <laughs> those answers. Um, listen, I just want to thank you so much for letting me steal you for an hour and a half, um, and I'm very happy and excited that we're neighbors on James Street now. It's going to be awesome. And um, we ran out of salt or wax paper or vice versa. You've already supplied us with, I think. A sheet pan of, or something? I don't know. You gave us something. Definitely something. Tin foil? We owe you something. Whatever you need. <laughs> and for your morning <laughs> drive through needs, we're here for you. Fantastic. Uh, and love you guys both to the moon. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, when the dust settles, hopefully I can get you guys on again and, and see how the world opening has treated you. Can we just throw money in the air because we're making so much of it? Yeah. And then roll around in it? Yes. And like record mi- it? Like <laughs> McScrooge Duck. I can't wait. That's great. Thank you guys so much, and uh, you're the best. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks. Yeah.